a few years ago, over the other side of town where we lived was this really uh, nice kind of fancy pizza shop. And uh, we really liked going there. It was, uh, you know, wood fire, pizza. And uh, the pizzas there were like, they were almost like works of art. They were just amazing. And we, we really liked going there. And so when they were hiring for a night or two uh, a week, uh, I decided I might try and get a job there. And I uh, had the time. I was hoping to meet more people in our local uh, community. And I thought, even with a bit of luck, I might score some free pizzas there. And so... Uh, I sent the shop a message and I said, how do I hand in my resume? They said, don't worry about a resume, just come in, uh, you know, work a shift and we'll chat. Uh, so we teed up a time and I went in to have this trial and I walked in the shop and met the owners and uh, they were very kind and after chatting to them for a bit, one of the owners was uh, the chef there and he said to me, he said, Tim, tonight you're going to be working the wood fire oven. And uh, I have to admit, I was in horror, I was in absolute horror because... Uh, I'd never done that before. So I said, I can't do that. Uh, I'd never worked in hospitality. I'd never cooked in a shop for people. I'd never sold any food that I'd ever made to anyone. Uh, I don't think this guy knew what he was getting in for. Uh, And uh, this shop was, in my opinion, one of the best pizza shops in the local area. And so putting me in charge of this wood fire oven, I don't know if you've ever seen, but you've got to use this shovel and spin the pizzas around. It's really difficult. And I was like, there's no way I can do that. But uh, the owner was adamant. He said, don't stress. I'll show you how to do it and you'll uh, get the hang of it. And uh, I began my journey in wood fire pizza oven cooking uh, with, I have to admit, unenthusiasm, trepidation and fear. Uh, If you're anything like me, you might feel the same way when it comes to doing evangelism, to sharing the good news Uh, when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus with others. Uh, You might think, I'm not trained in speaking convincingly. Uh, I know there's others that do it better than me. Uh, Or the message of Jesus is just so important, how could I possibly be involved in this task that Jesus gives? Most of us, obviously not all of us, but most of us, I think, have a little bit of fear in us when it comes to sharing the gospel. It's a big deal. So who is it for? Well, as we look over this passage, we'll read and see who God calls to take part in his mission and what his mission is all about. Last week, we heard the very beginnings, uh, or part one, if you will, of uh, Jesus' ministry in the book of Mark. And Jesus went into Galilee and he proclaimed, the time has come, The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This week, we hear part two of the beginnings of Jesus' earthly ministry in the book of Mark. So let's have a look at the beginnings of Jesus' earthly ministry, part two. After Jesus has proclaimed that the kingdom of God is near, Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee and he finds two brothers who are fishermen. Simon and Andrew. Jesus goes over to them and he says in verse 17, Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. They didn't even question it. They packed up their stuff and went with Jesus. Jesus walks further along and finds some more guys in a boat, more fishermen, more brothers, James and John. 
Again, Jesus calls them and immediately they leave their father and the other workers they were with and they follow Jesus. Jesus calls these guys and gives them a new job to share the good news of the kingdom. Over the next few days, Simon, Andrew, James and John, the disciples, would quickly come to see uh, what they were in for as they begin to follow Jesus. Firstly, Jesus and the disciples head to Capernaum and on the Sabbath, Jesus begins teaching in the synagogue. Notice what the people say about Jesus' teaching in verse 22. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them not uh, as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. And something amazing happens in verse 23. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And notice what the people say again about Jesus. Verse 27. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. The disciples were following a man who not only had uh, authority in his teaching, but also in his actions. He taught with greater authority than the teachers of the law and even an impure spirit who had control over this man here trembled at the authority of Jesus. After this happened, Jesus, James and John, they head to the house of Simon and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law is sick. So Jesus goes to her and heals her of her fever and she begins serving them food. After the sun sets over Capernaum, uh, due to the news of Jesus' authority and power spreading quickly over Galilee, people flocked to Jesus to be healed and to have demons removed. But he didn't allow the demons to speak because they knew that he was the Son of God. In verse 35 and 39, we get a little cutscene back into the relationship of the disciples and Jesus. Jesus gets up early in the morning to go and pray, and the disciples, they freak out. They're trying to find Jesus. They're wondering where he is, and so they begin to hunt him down. And when they find him, they say, Everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. The disciples might have been confused as to who Jesus was or what he was doing. Perhaps they thought that Jesus was some sort of miracle worker. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Let's leave here and go somewhere else so I can preach. That is what I came to do. And what was Jesus preaching about? Well, if we look back in verse 14, uh, it says this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news, preaching the good news. And what is it? Well, look in verse 15. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The focus of Jesus' mission was the news that the kingdom of God had come near. God had promised long ago that Uh, There would be a kingdom established 
And this was Jesus' message, that this kingdom was near. And Jesus was the one who was bringing in this kingdom uh, of God personally. And along with his teachings came signs that this was true. Jesus removing demons and illnesses from people showed that Satan was losing. God's kingdom and power was and is greater than anything else. Jesus isn't just announcing that the kingdom of God is near. He's showing that the kingdom of God is near alongside his preaching. And so the story continues as Jesus begins to travel throughout Galilee and a man with leprosy appears in the story. Verse 40, have a look. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. When it says that Jesus was indignant or possibly even angry, he wasn't angry at the leper by any means because Jesus actually showed kindness and and compassion to him. Rather, Jesus was angry at the way that sin and, uh, and disease had damaged his creation and hurt this man. And so Jesus, he naturally responds to the man in his condition with compassion. Jesus healing this man is groundbreaking stuff. According to the law and along with cultural practices, people with leprosy and similar skin conditions were outsiders in their community. No one was to have anything to do with them. But Jesus, willing to associate with the man, cleanses him of his skin disease. Jesus sends the man away and tells him not to tell anyone. He does this both here and with the spirits that we read about before, so that his mission as the Messiah wouldn't be uh, misunderstood or misinterpreted uh, by the people as uh, a military-focused king or some sort of magician or healer or anything otherwise. In time, people would come to understand who Jesus truly was. So Jesus, uh, in turn, uh, tells the man to go uh, and present himself to the priest in accordance with the law. But instead, the man goes and tells uh, everyone what Jesus did for him. The story of the beginning of Jesus' ministry teaches us two big things about Jesus' mission. Firstly, in regards to the message of Jesus' mission, and secondly, uh, in regards to Jesus' call to the mission. So firstly, we learn about the message of Jesus' mission. After Jesus calls the disciples to follow him, he begins to reveal his authority and power as he preaches in Capernaum and then throughout Galilee. As we read the story of the beginnings of Jesus' ministry, we might be tempted to think that the focus of Jesus' mission was to simply heal and cleanse people and rid them of impure spirits. But as we look at the uh, story closely, we see that's not the main focus of Jesus' mission at all. When the disciples went and found Jesus when he went off to pray, they wanted him to come back and presumably keep removing spirits and healing people. But Jesus said in verse 38, I've come to preach. He came to preach about the kingdom of God. Along with the news that the kingdom of God was near came the proof. 
as Jesus cast out impure spirits, he was showing that the kingdom of God was going to bring about deliverance, redemption and salvation from evil and impurity. As Jesus healed Simon's sick mother-in-law and cleansed the leper, Jesus was showing that the kingdom of God was going to bring about healing, cleansing and inclusion, even for the outcast. Jesus' new apprentices, Simon, Andrew, James and John, as well as the crowds of others who watched on, saw Jesus demonstrating the good news of the kingdom of God. A few weeks ago, uh, we went and visited my grandparents in North Queensland uh, and they showed us some stuff that they had bought from the, uh, the As Seen on TV guys, you know, the, the infomercials. They, so they bought some stuff uh, and uh, they bought these weird kind of cleaning gizmo-y things and they were basically like this motorised scrubber. Uh, Grandpa had explained to me that uh, this guy on TV was very convincing, uh, sounded like they'd really sold Grandpa very well. He said they looked great, they cleaned great and he ordered not just one but he ordered two of them. Uh, Unfortunately, when they arrived, one worked for a really short amount of time and the other one didn't work at all. Uh, My grandparents, they basically got scammed into buying this dodgy product by some TV salesman. When Jesus preaches about the kingdom of God, he's not selling a gimmicky false hope. He backs it up. He backs it up by healing and helping real people. But in the end, Jesus goes even further than that and shows that the kingdom of God is legit by dying and rising again. The signs that gave uh, Jesus preaching authority also pointed to what Jesus was ultimately going to do on the cross. On the cross, Jesus brought ultimate redemption from evil. In the case of people possessed by these impure spirits, when Jesus cast the spirits out, these people were restored to health but didn't ultimately fix their problem of sin. But on the cross, Jesus showed that he was the real deal. He defeated sin and evil once and for all so that no evil thing would ever stand in the way between God's people and God himself again. Jesus wasn't simply concerned with a few people, maybe a few hundred or thousand people in Capernaum being delivered from spirits and being healed. He was concerned with millions, billions of people spanning over the whole existence of humanity's time on earth, being saved from the hold of Satan and sin. And to achieve salvation from evil for many, many more people, Jesus died on the cross and rose again. So that anyone who called on the name of Jesus would be brought to him and would be brought into his kingdom. Satan has no hold over us as people anymore. If we trust in Jesus, Satan can't pull us away from God. He has been defeated. On the cross, Jesus was wounded and killed for our disease, sin, our biggest disease. The disease that wreaks havoc on us and ultimately leads us to destruction. Jesus' mission is and was to save us from the slavery of evil and to heal us from sin. Jesus has redeemed us. He's brought us into his kingdom and he has the power and authority to do so. 
We see this in this passage, but we ultimately see it on the cross. This good news that Jesus was proclaiming was going to bring people into his kingdom. This good news about Jesus is still bringing people into his kingdom today. And in this mission, Jesus invites people to be a part of it. So the second thing we learn from this story is about the call to Jesus' mission. At the start of this story, Jesus calls four men, Simon, Andrew, James and John, to follow him. Uh, These guys were fishermen. And if you know anything about first century fishermen, they're basically as ordinary as you can get. These guys are nothing particularly special. They weren't well-educated, fancy or affluent people. They're just humble, ordinary fishermen. But Jesus calls these ordinary blokes to come and follow him. But a part of being one of Jesus' disciples involves mission. Jesus says to these guys, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. The life of the disciples would involve mission. And still, for the life of a disciple now, it involves mission too. And it starts when we follow Jesus. It starts when we first get to know him. Jesus' early followers, Simon, Andrew, James and John, learnt on the job as Jesus was teaching and, uh, and as they observed his life and eventually his death and resurrection. For us, we have the words and testimony of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. And we get the training and the words we need uh, as we read God's word by the Holy Spirit. As we have learnt and accepted the good news of Jesus, we have been given the great privilege as believers to be able to share that with those around us. We are to be people who share the fact that all people are sinful. We are to be people who share that we are all deserving of judgment. But we are to be people that also share the salvation that Jesus offers. Like the disciples experienced, evangelism, sharing Jesus with others, it's not easy. Some people won't listen. Some believers are even persecuted for sharing their faith. But some people will listen and accept the good news and be saved from sin and death. I want to encourage you to be people who share the good news with others. As you walk alongside Jesus, be people who share what Jesus has done for you. Be people who care so much for your neighbours and for your friends that you tell them about Jesus, sharing his message to repent and believe the good news. The truth is, is that if we have people in our lives who don't know Jesus, they're heading towards judgment for their sin. They're going to face the wrath of God for their sin. But we know Jesus. We escape judgment only through Jesus. Not by anything we do, but by Jesus and his grace. Because he has taken our sin upon himself and faced the wrath of God for us. So that we can know God. So share this. This is good news. We have a way out from sin and death. Share it. How do you know it's a kid's birthday? They tell you, right? You know how little kids, they're always blurting out when it's their birthday? Well, we had an experience this week where we took our little son to the the play equipment and there was this boy who kind of 
I don't even know where he came from. He ran out of nowhere and jumped on the seesaw and he just blurted out, it's my birthday this week. And it made me think they just went, it's so exciting for them, uh, they can't help but share it. We have good and exciting news to share too. Much more exciting than a birthday. And so it should just burst out of us in a childlike fashion, shouldn't it? This is life-changing stuff. But of course, the good news isn't just for those who are close to us or those around us. Uh, In this story, Jesus cleanses a leper. This leper is an outsider, someone who people ignored and forgot. But as the disciples watched on, Jesus shows that the kingdom of God is on offer for everyone, uh, including those who are pushed to the sides. The gospel is for those who we forget about too, the people in our communities and in our world that are pushed to the side. The gospel isn't only for our closest friends and family, but it's for those who are struggling with addiction as much as it is for the rich. The gospel is for the refugee as equally it is as it is for our cousins. It is for people within the LGBTQI community as much as it is for the young people in our local schools. The gospel is for the unreached people in Bangladesh as much as it is for our next-door neighbours. The gospel has removed all barriers in Christ. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, all people can come to Jesus. So in our efforts in mission, we must not discriminate, but follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Consider how you might be a part of reaching the gospel to those who are least reached and to those who have been pushed to the side. It's no secret that Jesus calls ordinary people to his work. It's clear in this passage. And so, as a church family, we need to consider uh, what sharing the gospel means. And remember that God calls you, an ordinary person, to be a part of his work and to be a part of his mission. This probably comes as no surprise, but I am an ordinary person. Yeah, I preach sometimes and I run a youth ministry, but I'm an ordinary person. Pete and the elders, they're ordinary people. Graham and Beth, I I hate to tell you, but you are ordinary people. The Hughes family, the Jamaludans, they're ordinary people. Matt from Quizworks, Tim and Tony from GCS, they're just ordinary people. But God has called them uh, for his purposes and to build his kingdom. So whether you work a full-time job, whether you're retired, uh, whether you're considering full-time ministry, whatever your life situation is now, God calls the everyday person to share the gospel. And as we read God's word, we are trained and equipped with everything we need by the Lord Jesus and through the Spirit. So if you're feeling insecure about being a part of Jesus' mission, if you're feeling like you're nothing special or just overwhelmed at the task, remember, Jesus calls and sends ordinary people to be a part of his mission, sharing the message of the cross that brings salvation to all who trust in him. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for sending the Lord Jesus. And thank you that through him we receive healing and restoration. Thank you that we are redeemed from evil and saved by your grace. Lord, as people who follow you, help us not to just follow, but to share the good news that you have given us. Equip us with everything we need as we read your word, that we might be able to share the gospel well. Please be working in us and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.